Welcome to the Leading on Purpose podcast with Jackie, where you will hear stories of passion, purpose, and leadership designed to inspire you to live your best life. So let's get started. Dear God, thank you for everyone that is listening to this podcast and for our guest. I ask that you give everyone favor and help them live their best life. Keep this in mind. You will never influence the world by being just like it. So be yourself, be authentic, because the world needs you. Now let's hear from our guest. It is my pleasure to welcome my guest today, and that is Rita Johnson-Green, who is going to talk about balancing career and family. And this is, um, we're celebrating Women's History Month, so I think this is definitely a very relevant topic. I'm sure there's also probably some men that could benefit from what we're going to talk, what we're going to talk about today as well. So how are you doing, Rita? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Blessed by the best, Jackie. (laughs) Well, I'm really looking forward to jumping into this topic. I think that we all from time to time, I don't know, but from time to time, I think most of the time we have to really work on balancing career and family. And you certainly have done a great job of that. So I'm really looking forward to hearing from you today. So Rita, can you please tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, both personally and professionally? Yes, uh, absolutely. I am. Um, I I like to I like to distill my you know kind of my my personal and my career journey into two two key themes. One being embracing change, right? Um, you know, being willing to kind of pivot to pursue my passions. Um, and even when I'm not quite sure about what those passions are, right? <laughs> uh, and then the other being pursuing my faith. Um, and I know, you know, a lot of times when I say that, you know, I know people might be thinking, well, you know, what does faith have to do with faith have to do with career um, and faith in God have to do with career. But for me, it, it's a lot. A lot. It has a lot to do with my career. And so, you know, my journey, I think, is an intersection of those two key themes um, from early on. You know, I'm first generation college. I'm the oldest of three girls. You know, it, it was extremely important to me that um, to me, as well as my family, that I went to college. Right. Um, and so, you know, even when I started at Drexel here in Philadelphia, um, I started in civil architectural engineering and I loved math and science and I could also draw pretty well. And so that, you know, that was my, that, you know, I decided civil architectural and I thank God to this day for Drexel's co-op program because um, it allows you to do an internship in, in your field before you graduate. And my first internship during the summer, I was on a bridge in a hard hat it, with a handful of dirt because I was testing the <laughs> soil during the summer. And I got to tell you, that was all the proof that I needed. That that was not <laughs> that was not for me. And you know, it, and if you ever if you you know if you met me, obviously you know me, Jackie. Like I love my high heel shoes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so and so my point is, I changed my major to electrical engineering after my sophomore year. And I got to tell you, my parents were like, "Wait, like you're the first person to even go to college, and now you're messing up, you know? And it was like, it was like a huge no-no, you know? Like, don't do that. You know, you're never going to graduate, you know, which, of course, I did, you know? Um, and, and yeah, I had to double up on some classes. Um, but the experience, like, it really taught me early on that something that could be intimidating, like switching your major or whatever, you know, it, the, the act of doing it is not as bad as the thought or the intimidation of it, you know? And I feel like that applies to so much of the rest of my life, you know? Um, after that experience, I committed myself to really kind of like charting my own path, um, you know, and, and, and creating a path that kind of meets my needs where I am in that moment and not necessarily, you know, 
uh, saying, well, I'm in this, so therefore I'm stuck in it, you know? And so a few examples of that is that I didn't plan to get married, right? <laughs> but I met my husband on the first day of school at Drexel. Um, and, you know, we were married seven years later and now we've been married 18 years, right? I didn't plan to have children. And, you know, I've been blessed with two beautiful girls whom, if anybody who knows me knows how much I absolutely adore them. Um, I went into consulting after undergrad and I was doing a lot of financial modeling. And remember, I was electrical engineering. And then I decided I like finance more than engineering. So I quit my job and went to Wharton and got, you know, an MBA with a concentration in finance, you know. So just just consistently asking myself, like, you know, it, am I fulfilled in what I'm doing? And, and, you know, or is there something greater that I'd like to do? And pursuing that, you know, um, and then next is my my faith. You know, I, I mentioned that I'm first generation college and my parents really couldn't afford to send me to school. And so, you know, I worked during high school to pay for just enough money for the first year of college. Uh, and, and then, you know, I, I was hoping that I would just earn enough money to go back after that. Uh, <laughs> and unfortunately, that that did not happen. So after my first year of college, I was all out of money and I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And I didn't tell anybody about it. And I asked God to allow me to continue uh, to go to school um, so that I could help my family. And a professor uh, was allowed to nominate, and this is a Drexel, was allowed to nominate one person um, to compete for Urban League scholarship. And they selected me. And um, and, I, and that professor was not my professor. He was a professor of so, you know, a different class, but he selected me and I was able to compete. And then the rest is history, you know, and I was able to pay for school. And, um, you know, I just, I, I really, I, I believe so firmly that God provides for you, even when you can't see a way forward, you know, and I really apply that to the rest of my life. And so I, you know, I, it is not my goal to like show people that I'm the smartest person in the room, you know, or the most prepared, you know, and the best at X and the greatest at Y to impress other people, like to advance my career. You know, when I, when I stopped doing that kind of stuff and said, okay, you know, I really, I'm showing up because I want people to see the God in me you know, and I want to do my best at work because I know that God wants me to do my best at work, you know, so I'm not winning arguments to prove that I'm the smartest, but I'm trying to win hearts to demonstrate God's love in me. I tell you, that's when my career took just like, like, took off like lightning, you know what I mean? And so I just, I truly believe that God provides my needs. I, you know, I respect and appreciate all beliefs and the, and the diversity of all beliefs, but I, for me, authentically, my story is, you know, I never be wed to anything because, you know, whatever God has for me, if that requires a shift or a move or a change, I'm going to embrace it and go forth. Wow, this is a great story. Um, particularly, wow, God does definitely come through, like what you said in college. Wow, that's, that's absolutely outstanding, Rita. So tell the listeners what you do now, a little bit about what your current role is. Yeah, so I am... Um, so I started my career in, you know, after I got my MBA, I worked at Johnson & Johnson in finance, um, but I, I was at the makers of Tylenol and Motrin, um, so more consumer products. And then I said, hey, I'd really like to get into, um, you know, uh, more pharma-driven pharma um, or healthcare. And so I went to AstraZeneca and worked on the Nexium brand. And from there, I really kind of worked my way up in finance um, and started doing like kind of sales operations and sales, uh, sales leadership roles. Um, and I really, I really gravitated towards commercial operations. So how to commercialize a product. Um, and so I, you know, I planned on uh, doing that at AstraZeneca, but then Spark called, and this was before we had commercialized our first product and said, Hey, do you want to build a commercial operations team from the ground up here at Spark? And I said, yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and that's exactly what, what we did. So I led the commercial operations team. We launched Luxterna, which is the first gene therapy for a genetic disease that was approved in the United States. 
And um, I stayed at Spark for about four and a half years and also went into a role where I was working with the qualified treatment centers that administer um, the gene therapy. And then that's when Bluebird called and said, hey, would you like to be a part of our sickle cell story? And, um, and, and sickle cell is 90% African-American and Latinx. And Bluebird hopes to be the first gene therapy to launch for sickle cell disease. And I, I, there, I mean, there was just no way that I could not take, you know, take the opportunity to um, do what I love and pursue my passion, which is commercialization of products and marry that with gene therapy and sickle cell, you know, and doing something positive for my community. So I'm the vice president of sales, as well as the qualified treatment center engagement at, at Bluebird. And so obviously VP of sales is pretty self-explanatory, but the qualified treatment center engagement is really, um, you know, kind of shaping what the patient journey looks like uh, for a patient that's being treated by a gene therapy at, um, at a hospital. Okay. Well, congratulations. You've had a wonderful career, Rita. And I just love what you said also earlier in regards to how you really started to not worry so much about how you were showing up and trying to impress people, but more letting God work through you to show his love to others. So I, I really, really love that. Really, really love that. Thank you for sharing that. Thank so you. if you could share with the listeners, um, you mentioned that you're a first generation college graduate. What would you say, who are some women in your life that have really shaped, helped shape who you are today? Yeah, I am. Um, so one is, uh, you know, my mom, right? That'd be number one. Uh, my mom, she, my mom is magical. Seriously. Um, she does not take no for an answer, but it's in like, the most kind way that you can imagine. So like people actually feel good when they're giving my mom her way. I, it's a, it's the craziest <laughs> thing. And I like, I, you know, I try to employ her tactics, but I'm not like, I'm not, I'm not Margaret. That's her name. Um, but she's, she's always made me believe that I'm capable of anything, you know? Um, and, and her, her job or the way that I, I see um, the job that she did in my life was really like removing barriers when I needed it. You know, and, and so I, I had to ask for help. But when I asked for him, she would remove those barriers. But if I didn't, she would she let me have it. And so she really taught me self-sufficiency and, and she taught me to ask for help when when I needed it, which I think, you know, is huge. And, and now, you know, especially as a as an African-American female, asking for help is hard, you know, and I feel like I got, you know, I got that practice with my mom. And then other other women would be female leaders, female managers that I've had. You know, I've had some amazing female managers in my life. Uh, Lisa Lloyd Washington, Kelly Kilpatrick, um, just to name a few. And, you know, these, you know, these individuals were in finance, um, in the field of finance, which is a really male dominated field. And to watch these women live in their femininity, while being fierce, while being powerful, while uplifting other women, you know, uh, you know, not competing, but wanting better, even for me, right, then you know, than even what they had accomplished, you know, they would say things like, you know, Rita, I hope you're my boss one day, you know what I mean? Like, like just inspirational, uplifting women, uh, female leaders, and, and they just made, they made me want to, you know, emulate them, they make me want to make create leaders out of the people who work for me. Oh, that's, that's awesome. I that is so incredibly important is that we want to lift each other up, right? We want to be each other's, um, motivation. We want to be yeah. each other's voice to say, you can do more and I have you. And I, that's so nice that you had so many female leaders that did that, that were a real inspiration to you, Rita. Oh, oh my goodness. Mary McCourt. I can't forget. <laughs> like, I just, I've, had, I've had a number. I really have. I really have. And they've just left such an, an impression. And, you know, I, I just, I'm grateful for the female leaders in my life that, that have done that for me. 
Yeah, that's that's incredible. And hopefully they'll listen to this and they'll hear how great you are. <laughs> well, now I'm sad. I'm like, I should have thought of more names. <laughs> so you talked a little bit about some of the female leaders that have really inspired you. What is what do you feel are the top three leadership skills that women should exhibit to help them be successful? And I'm sure I say women, but I, I'm sure this applies to men as well. But particularly for Women's History Month, we're going to focus a little bit on women right now. So what do you think those top three leadership skills are? Yeah. Um, so I, I think I think the first is resilience, right? Getting over failures, learning from them and moving on. Um, and, and it's interesting because, I mean, I've read a number of articles that, you know, talk about women, you know, really being hard on themselves in a way that men are not. You know, and so us really working on that resiliency that even if something doesn't go right, it doesn't mean apologize a thousand times, right? Like own the mistake and then move on. Because sometimes the more you apologize about something, the more you're highlighting what you did off the, to, uh, the ability to authentically inspire is another, you know, it's one thing to be a great communicator, which is always obviously really important, but if people don't trust you, it really doesn't matter what you say or how well you've communicated it. And so, you know, authentically inspiring others um, you know, through obviously belief in your own vision, but passion about what you do. You know, I, I just I think that comes through um, and, and speaks volumes about who you are and then makes people want to follow, you know, makes people want to know where you where you want to go and then want to go with you. Um, so that would be that would be number two. And then last, and I do think this one's probably more specific to women than any is emotional intelligence, being able to read the room. Right. Um, you know, our aggression um, or passion uh, and the way that we speak isn't always received, you know, the same way as other as other people, you know, especially when we're, you know, sometimes oftentimes the only female in the room. Right. And so, you know, slowing down and taking a pulse check on our audience and making sure that, you know, what the message that you're that you are delivering is actually being received the way that you want it to um, is is really important. And, you know, and I, I do I do believe that. Um, you know, sometimes our male counterparts are forgiven for their, you know, or and forgiven. I, I lose that. I use that word loosely, but um, you know, the their passion and and maybe even a bit of aggression is tolerated. Whereas sometimes women, depending upon the way that that passion is presented, um, you know, can be taken negatively. And so we just have to, you know, have to just make sure that, as I said, that the message that we're trying to deliver is the one that's received. And I know I often slow a conversation down and make sure that, you know, that what I'm saying uh, matches, you know, what it is that I, that I want others to receive. Because at the end of the day, that's what's most important is that, is that my message is being delivered. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the first thing that you said about getting over mistakes and, and failures and moving forward, I'm not sure if you watch Ted Lasso, but it's, it has become one of my favorite shows. I just love that show. And Ted Lasso, early on in one of the episodes, he mentioned, he told um, his players to have a memory like a goldfish, which means that <laughs> it's a very short memory. And, you know, that really has really stuck with me because sometimes I definitely am one of those individuals that if something does not go the way I want it to, I'll hold on it, hold on to it far longer than I should. So I love what you said. That's beautiful. Thank you. Um, So what about if you could tell the listeners, what are some of the, what are the top three actions someone should do to help navigate the corporate environment to enhance their career? So what are some things that you think people can do? Top three things that particularly women can do to help navigate 
the corporate environment and help advance their careers? So I think one is to ask for help, right? Ask for a mentor, um, a sponsor, you know, be be direct and be clear about, um, you know, the help that you need and, and where, you know, where that person can can help advance your career. And, and, and you know, and I, I know that that's always hard because you want it to be authentic and you want it to be organic. And, and I, I believe that it can be all of those things, but you also want to be deliberate about asking for that help. And I, you know, again, I, I think so often, um, you know, others uh, tend to, you know, be very direct, you know, here, here's where I'm headed. Here's what I, here's what I'm trying to accomplish. Here's how I see you in, uh, you know, how I see you participating in what I'm, what I'm attempting to accomplish. Um, and I, I believe that we need to be that clear, that women need to be that clear about that sponsorship and that mentorship. Um, the second is really telling people where it is that you want to go and being clear about that. I think like taking a step back and taking stock of your career and where, you know, what you believe should be next. Um, and even if it's not a role specifically, even if it's, you know, uh, skill sets that you'd like to build or an area of interest that you'd like to go into that you're currently not in, I think making that a part of your natural conversation um, is extremely important, you know, and I mean, people talk about an elevator pitch um, and, and, you know, usually that's about asking someone for something very specific, but I, I think that, you know, everyone should have that, you know, here, here's who, here's who I am and here's what I'd like to do next, you know, because you just, number one, you never know who you're talking to and how they might be able to help you accomplish what it is that you're trying to do next. So I do think just kind of, you know, especially women getting in the cadence of communicating their vision for themselves, you know, all, as, as frequently as possible is extremely important. And then the last is uh, seeking feedback from peers. You know, we all have our blockers, right? Those things that we need to be, you know, aware of, um, you know, understanding how we're perceived. And I think peers, um, you know, obviously people at, you know, you, you know, you always ask your direct manager for, for feedback, but I think peers, can really sometimes give you, um, you know, the, those blind spots that you really don't see, you know, how you've come off in a meeting, especially a meeting of peers, you know, are you, are you a bulldozer at times? Like, especially when the, you know, when there's a deadline coming up, you know, are, you know, do you, do you, you know, kind of have a decision 90% of the way there and then say, Hey, can I have any feedback when you know that you really don't want to change course, you know, things <laughs> like that. Um, so, so, and, you know, and this is feedback that I've received from peers, you know, along my journey. So I think really, you know, getting, getting that open and honest feedback and, um, you know, and, and take, taking it with a grain of salt. I mean, some things, you know, you, you, it, 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 it creates, you know, better self-awareness for you. And in other things, you know, maybe, you know, maybe you act on it, maybe you don't, but hearing it, internalizing it and, and, Processing it, I think, is an important step in a journey. So, Rita, I want to follow up on something you just said about asking your peers for feedback. I know sometimes people are uncomfortable giving honest feedback to others. How have you been able to really get honest feedback from your peers? Because sometimes they just want to be nice and they'll say really just all these positive things. And that's great, but it doesn't really help you grow. So how do you get people to be real honest? I'm so glad you asked that question. Yeah, I, I have I have a, a really good strategy for that. Um, I first select individuals that I trust, um, you know, at an organization, especially when I, you know, when I first arrived and that may morph into, you know, a, a larger, um, a larger group of individuals, but, you know, at least three to five that I believe that I, you know, that I can trust and I will give them a job. And that job is to watch me in meetings and then give me feedback. 
Um, it, it is sometimes it is a little off putting when you have a you know a one on one with someone a standard one on one. You go, hey, give me some feedback. You know, sometimes to your point, Jackie, people say, well, you did great. You know, yeah. but <laughs> if, if a person goes into the meeting knowing that they are going to be expected, you know, in your next one on one to to give you feedback about what you did well and what you you know what you could have done better, how you were perceived in the meeting, how did you deliver information, um, all those things, and then now it you know they're they're just owning up to, you know, the, the task at hand. It's so it, it kind of takes some of the pressure off in a way because they're, you know, they're doing what you ask them to do. Yeah. that's. I I do think that, that, that has helped me allow people to kind of loosen up and giving them permission to, to give me feedback. Now that's a great example. You know, I don't know that I've ever heard anyone say that that's one of their strategies for getting feedback. That's really good. I love that idea because I think, if you let people know in advance that you're going to want their feedback and you really ask them to observe you in certain situations, then it's really opening the door to that honest feedback. Yes. Yeah. And, and I think that they become partners in, in your growth. You know, they, now the feedback doesn't feel so intimidating. They, they feel that they're helping you develop. And, that, and, you know, so the feedback has a different tone and a different feeling because of the help that you've now asked them for, as opposed to, okay, critically evaluate me, you know, in, like, well, in a, in a one-on-one. And, and again, to your point, they, they weren't expecting that question. And now they have to look retrospectively, as opposed to walking into the meeting, knowing that, they, that their job is to evaluate you. And I love it. Really, really what I'm taking away from what you're saying is to ask for what you need, ask for the help, ask for the support ask for it. And, and I think there's so many people that want to help. They're just want, they want people to ask them for it and they're willing to give it. I know there's so many people in my life that I've asked for assistance and they're so willing to help. Absolutely. And they're so Absolutely. willing to help. So getting to my question about balancing career and family, you mentioned that you have two wonderful daughters. You have an amazing career. I know that you travel quite a bit. Why don't you tell the listeners how you balance your career and life? Thank you. Yes, I am. So, so I, you know, I don't, it's funny. I've I've heard a number of like motivational speakers talk about how it's not balance. It's, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's managing, you know, managing life and, and career and work. But I, I, you know, the way that I balance is really managing the expectations, uh, managing the expectations of others. And that's at work as well as at home, you know, um, at work, I suggest deadlines. So if, if, if a person asks me to do something or, you know, my, my, uh, my manager uh, asked me to do something, you know, if they don't say, you know, state a deadline originally, I like, I immediately suggest a deadline and that deadline usually ensures my, you know, my sanity um, and, and allows me to balance all of the other competing priorities. And then from there, we begin to negotiate, you know, if, if something needs to be done sooner. Um, I'm also transparent about my appointments with my children and with my family. So, you know, I tell my kids about my commitments at work. I'll tell them about a really important meeting that's coming up. Um, you know, I, I, I try to make sure that, you know, everybody, whether it's at work or at home, really does know what I'm capable of doing or what I'm capable of giving in any particular week. Um, to me, a lot disappointment um, really comes from the mismanagement of expectation. Uh, and so, you know, I stopped kind of hoping for the best, you know, if, if, you know, if you know that what I mean, you know, just kind of being unrealistic and saying, oh, you know, I really, I, I like, I hope that works out. There's 50,000 things that, you know, are due today. And I have a, a dance recital in the evening and I just hope this all works. And instead I'll say, okay, I have a commitment in the evening 
Um, I'm pretty sure I can maybe get through half of these things, but the other half, can we talk about what can be pushed until tomorrow? So I, you know, so I'm being realistic with myself and then being realistic with, you know, all of my stakeholders, including, you know, including my family. So I think really kind of taking control of that and, and not just, you know, approaching each day as like, you know, this, like this, a sprint to the end of the day, trying to accomplish every single thing in it. Um, I think, you know, and instead being more strategic about how, you know, what really needs to get done and when, and then how do I balance that with whatever's going on? And, you know, with, with my children, I think has, you know, has just done wonders for, uh, for work-life balance. And I think the last is um, being, being clear about, you know, where I can use help and where I can purchase help, you know, and being unapologetic about that, you know, so, you know, my kids have a tutor and, I, you know, I, when I've needed it, I've had a, a sitter come in the morning and do and do drop off and do pick up and, you know, a person that clean, cleans the house. I mean, I think a part of, um, you know, a part of the, the career that I've wanted for myself, it does, it does, you know, afford me the ability to purchase the, the, this help. And I used to really, um, you know, I, I, I really, I was leery of it in the beginning. And, um, you know, I regret, I regret that because there's nothing wrong with, with help. It, it, you know, it opens, it creates the space for me to, you know, enjoy the family time with my, with my children without, you know, worrying about if the house is clean or what hasn't gotten done or what, ha- you know, I, I think that it allows me to enjoy and kind of enjoy the journey. Um, and so I, you know, I, that, that's personally for me, something that I've, I've had to change and modify my approach to um, throughout my career. You know, that reminds me, it sounds a lot like a a very common theme from what you talked about with your career too, where you asked for help. You asked people for feedback. Same thing with your family is asking for help or or paying for the help that you need um, to make sure that you're able to balance your career and your family. And you're right. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong. And I hear which also what I'm taking from what you're saying is making sure that you're able to be fully present in whatever it is that you're doing by setting the right expectations, both at work and at home. Yes. I love what you just said about being fully present. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think that's a huge part of enjoying the journey. You know, the thing is when, when life, when the day is just a sprint to, to bed, I do, you know, you haven't enjoyed any part of the journey because you've just been trying to keep up with the journey, you know? And Mm -hmm. I, you know, again, I, I think COVID has been a huge part of that, but even before really practicing, enjoying the journey, that then it's not just keeping up with it. It's, it's getting ahead of it and, and maybe taking some things out of the journey for that day (laughs) in order to make the journey, a journey that's enjoyable, you know? Yes. Yes. That's great. Well, a couple more questions and then we'll be wrapping up shortly, but you, you talked about some of the things that you do to help you with your career. You talked about what you do to balance your family and career what are some challenges that you have faced along the way, Rita, in balancing your family and career? And how have you overcome those challenges? Um, I think uh, I think one of the biggest challenges has been guilt, um, you know, just uh, just that mommy guilt, you know, and and I, t- I tell this I tell this story often to parents of, you know, toddlers. Um, I I when I worked at uh, when I when I worked at a company in my in my past, um, I was offered uh, a role, uh, you know, an, a, it's called a secondment, but I was offered a role um, in Manchester. And uh, the plan was for my, you know, my entire family to move to Manchester. Um, and then something happened personally, and I wasn't able to move. Uh, and so they gave me the job anyways. And um, 
with the, with the, you know, the caveat that, you know, instead of moving there, I would go to Manchester uh, every other, every other week. And my kids were three and five when, mm. when this offer was given to me and um, I, I took it, you know, and it, I don't, it didn't end up being every other week for two years, but it was, it was something very close to that. Um, and I would stay for pretty much the entire week. And I have to tell you the guilt ate me. It ate me up. It really did. Um, but I, it was one of the best experiences ever, Jackie. And, um, and, and so, you know, that's what I decided to do. And I did it for two years. And then I, you know, I came, I, I took a different role um, in which I was home most of the time. Um, but let's fast forward to, you know, uh, 11 and 13. And uh, my kids are looking at pictures and they see a picture of, of me, like I'm, I'm on the iPad and I'm waving and, I'm, and, and I know I'm in Manchester and I'm waving hello to them. And we're talking on the iPad. And they said, oh, yeah, is that when when mommy would take a trip every now and then? <laughs> every now and then is how they remembered every other week. So wow. now I, I am not saying, oh, take a take an XUS job and and travel every other week. I am not I am not saying that like everybody's journey is their journey. Everyone's decisions are their decisions. Right. Um, so, you know, pe- people can feel how they felt about the decision that I made, but it taught me a lesson that so much of that guilt was, you know, it was self-inflicted. I mean, the kids were fine and my husband was fine. And, you know, we had fantastic sitters at the time. And, and so like, you know, I had done all that I could do to the point that I made earlier to manage the expectations to in order to enjoy the journey. And I just wasn't letting myself enjoy it, you know? Um, so it just, it just taught me a lesson. You make, make a decision. And, you know, if you need to pivot, pivot, but in, in that decision, live it, live in that moment and, and, you know, take all that you can out of it. But I think that the guilt is unproductive. It's just unproductive because either you're going to change, change, you know, your situation or enjoy your journey, but don't, don't feel guilty about the journey. (laughs) That is, oh, I know you're helping a lot of women out there right now. I'm sure you are, because I think most of us, most of us have experienced that mommy guilt. We absolutely have. And that is such a great example that they didn't even realize or feel like you have gone that often. Oh my gosh. I mean, they don't, they don't even remember. And, you know, obviously if they were 11 and 13, it would have been a different story, but you know, sometimes in that, you know, when the, the to- those toddler years, you feel so guilty. And I seriously, when oh, she was gone every now and then I said, Oh, well, how long, how long, how often was I gone? I don't know. I mean, you were here most of the time. You know what? <laughs> oh, yes, I wow. was. <laughs> yes, I was. Uh, I'm sure that story is going to help a lot of people, a lot of women. All right, Rita, we're going to shift gears for a couple of minutes here. And I'm going to ask you a few questions, fun questions. And I just want you to respond with the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. First question is, what food could you never give up? I could never give up sea bass. Oh, Love okay. it. <laughs> Love it. I probably eat it. I, I eat it for lunch most days. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say something unhealthy. <laughs> Oh, no, you don't have to. (laughs) No, I really do love it. I mean, people who know me, they know like I, 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 oh my gosh, it's spark. I would heat my sea bass up in the, in the refrigerator. I mean, in the uh, microwave, in the kitchen and, uh, people, people, they came by to complain. I like, I did have to give it up for a little while. Sometimes it's garlic. And so, you know, like people, they complained about it. You know, I I still, I'm a little bitter even to this day. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. All right. Next one is what is the best birthday present that you have ever received? Wow. Best birthday present that I've ever received. Uh, my husband sent me to 
Barcelona um, by myself. Uh, I had a friend who lived there. Uh, she worked for um, the the International MBA Association, and uh, yeah, I think that 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 was probably one of the best birthday presents. I you know I kind of country hopped, and um, it was my it's my first time leaving the country. Oh. Um, yeah, and so it was just it was a great experience. I went to the Dali Museum. So yeah, that that would be oh, the. But, but I've had some really nice birthdays. So that's, that's, a, tough one. that's a tough one. I love Spain. That's awesome. <laughs> And my last question is, what is your favorite song that pumps you up? Like when you're ready to get pumped, what is your favorite song? We run the world, girls. <laughs> that is my song. <laughs> Say that again. What is it? <laughs> no, Beyonce. We run the world. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we run this, run this. <laughs> well, I love it. You said normally I can't get people to sing and you did. <laughs> Oh, that's great. All right, just a few more questions and then we're going to wrap up here, Rita. Um, so what are um, what are a few things that you do to personally stay focused on your development as a leader? Um, so I think one one is, you know, I and this is going to sound cliche, but I read I read books. I mean, I read I read a lot of um, leadership books. Um, I I pay attention to my children is one that I think is, is pretty interesting. I mean, I, re- I, I really pay attention to how they respond to me. Um, am I getting too preachy? Am I talking too much and, and listening too little? Um, am I, do I act too fast sometimes in a way that diminishes their trust? I find that like really paying attention in, in, in the way that you know, they respond either, either verbally or more often non-verbally. Um, I, you know, I can apply a lot of the lessons that I, that I learn to work and to, into leadership overall. You know, I, oh. I, I feel like the, my, my kids, you know, sometimes, especially you care, you care so much, um, you know, you'll say, oh, let me, you know, let me see your homework. Oh, well, you should have done this. You should, you know, and, and my, my daughter will say, I got it, you know, and it'll remind me of maybe a, a situation at work where, you know, I, I told a person what I wanted the outcome to be. And then I, I, you know, I feel myself starting to tell them what the path should look like. No, no, no. They got it. And even if they probably, they're, you know, if they work for me, they're probably not going to say it, but they probably feel just like my daughter. So I really, I try to apply those lessons um, to, to, you know, to work and into my everyday life. And then, you know, I just, I, I teach Bible study. Um, and so I would say study the Bible. And I just so, there's so many amazing leaders in the Bible. And so there's so many leadership stories and principles um, that I think can be, can be, you know, garnered from, from reading the Bible. Okay, that's great. And then speaking of leadership, what is the best and worst leadership advice that you have ever been given? The best and the worst. <laughs> um, okay, okay. The worst, the worst will come first, because that was easy. Um, be the first into the office and the last to leave. That's the worst. Mm. That's the worst. I, and I, I, you know, I think now uh, I think back, you know, that was old school, but now, you know, if a person's the first in and the last out and they're not productive, I, like I'm wondering what's wrong with you, you know? So <laughs> at the end of the day, I'm measuring productivity. I'm not measuring time, time spent. And actually if I am measuring time spent, and again, if you're not that productive, I, I'm thinking we're, we should have a conversation, you know? So, so that would be the worst advice. And then I think, I think the best, I and mean, I said it earlier, would just would be to enjoy the journey. I re, you know, I try to, I try to remind myself of that, especially in those, those moments where, you know, where, where things may be stressful or, um, you know, I may be disappointed if something didn't go the, the way that I had anticipated, um, you know, there, there's always something to learn 
uh, out of out of every journey, but in just enjoying enjoying the process. You know, I think so often we can go so fast, um, you know, that we that we just don't, you know, people say stop and smell the roses, but just, you know, stop and kind of reflect and celebrate. There's there's a celebrate small and then the SM is in is in per, I mean, uh, the the A-L-L is in is in parentheses. So it's small slash all wins. Oh, I think that's huge, you know, celebrate the small slash all wins. That's great. I know you're, you're right. Sometimes we don't celebrate the small wins. And, and when we do celebrate, it's so fast. And we're already thinking about the next thing that the we next have to thing. do. <laughs> the next thing. Right, right. And I, you know, and, and it's funny, um, you know, I think people, especially when you're early in your career, and you just want to get to, you know, you're, you're a manager, you want to be senior manager, and you see a manager, you want to be director and director, you want to be senior, director, you know, and and it, but but along the way, you need to be developing your skill sets, right? And and so that so that when you get to that next level, you are exhibiting the skills and and the competencies of that level, right? And so it's not just about getting the title. If you have the title, but you're not, you, you haven't developed the skills, people will know, right? Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, you you will see your own deficiencies, and so I just you know I think uh, you know. Uh, Yes. Do you want to progress in your career? Absolutely. But do you know, do you also want to make sure you're like progressing as a, you know, as a person who cares about their career and cares about how they're developing, you know, their skills and and what you're bringing to the organization? Yes. And that is not just the title that's learning from every, you know, every role that you have. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Rita, this has been a wonderful conversation. My final question is, what is your favorite quote and why? Okay, my favorite, my favorite quote. So I think I, I, I have to go, I have to go with two. I have to go with two. Because um, I, I, I can't decide on one. Um, so my, my, one of my favorite quotes is Malcolm X. If you, if you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, you know, I, I think that can be applied to so many lessons within, within your life. You know, I, who, who are you, you know, as a person and making sure that you are uh, being authentic to who you are. Um, and then, you know, the, the other is, is Joshua in the Bible is Joshua, um, 24, 15, where he says, choose this day who you will serve, uh, you know, for me and my house we will serve the Lord, you know? And, and I, I, I just, I love that quote because it's, it's so real. It's so poignant. And I know that I've, I've, you know, I, I condensed it because there are other words and there's other uh, phrases in between, but, you know, I think choosing to walk with God every day, um, you know, that, that is a, that is, it's an honor or privilege, but it's also a choice. And I think, you know, especially when you begin to, um, you know, the, the amalgamation of your life or my life, is, you know, is work, is family, is God. And, you know, oftentimes people are not going to integrate God in, in family, but I, I really, I mean, God in, uh, in work, but I really do believe kind of choosing each day to, to walk with the Lord um, is, is paramount to everything. And so that, you know, that is, is definitely one of my favorite, my favorite quotes. Yeah. Well, Rita, it has been a pleasure chatting with you. And I really want to thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing all of your great words of wisdom for, for so many women I know are going to benefit from listening to this and congratulations on your successful career, as well as balancing your family and your career. So thank you so much for your time, Rita. It's been a real pleasure. Jackie, it's been such an honor. I really appreciate you, you asking me to um, to come and speak to you today and, and just thank you very much. I, I'm, I'm humbled. Thank you.